Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This episode of the Cult Pop Show podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, get up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, give us something to talk about in the post credit scene at the end of each episode, or join us for our monthly movie club Zoom call where we discuss a film together, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash We've just been having a bloody little chin wag off pod, um, which maybe would have been good to start recording earlier. Richard was recording for the past couple of minutes and I wasn't. But I will say, before that felt like was also podcast material that we were just having a chat with. Hey everyone, I'm AJ. <laughs> and I'm Richard. Welcome to the, the Cult Popsha podcast. And we're joined again today by Aaron. Yeah. Aaron, who we get on, we get on to talk to about the Oscars, and we didn't say this last week or last fortnight, but it's because he's an actor, uh, and that's that's, that's the, not why he's also we, our friend. Yeah, yeah, I know, <laughs> but but like we, if for anyone this may, you know, I assume when people discover the podcast, they don't go back and listen to the 2018 Oscar roundup. <laughs> like you know, it's, some episodes. Uh, don't have a long shelf life compared to others. And so if anyone's wondering who this guy is, it's our actor friend, Aaron. He's the one actor that they know. Yeah. Who's <laughs> yeah. also a friend. <laughs> do you consider yourself, do you identify more as an actor or my friend? Honestly, probably more your friend, to wow. be honest. Aww. And people have paid me to act. Wow. So the Not as much as I pay to be my friend. <laughs> <laughs> So this is the 2021 Oscars cheat sheet part two. What this is, if you haven't heard the last part, which I recommend you go back and listen to, um, is this is today we're going to be discussing the four films nominated for Best Picture that we didn't discuss last fortnight. Uh, And we're going to talk about them and what we thought of them um, for the the express purpose for if you, the listener, don't have time to watch eight movies, um, we're, we're giving you the opinions so you can go to your dinner parties and be like, oh, Sound of Metal should win best picture but won't mm. you know like the, we're we're giving you these opinionated sound bites w- without you having to watch the yeah. movie and then uh once we've gone through the four movies as well we'll kind of go through a run through of of some or all the categories and just so you know if you're at your um if you're at your oscar party you could be like yeah so-and-so has got this in the bag yeah just yeah essentially this is we're yeah. doing the homework for you. The 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 nom- the award for um best d- documentary short film comes up, and so you're just like, "Yep, yeah, I know what this is," and no one cares. No <laughs> I one actually have an interesting you. fact about the documentary short, short subject um category. Wow, there's a there's a documentary in that called Colette, uh, which mm. I, like I'm not sure w- what its chances to win are, but it was included with um uh Medal of Honor, the latest Medal of Honor game, and it's the first time that um a video game studio has received an Oscar nomination. What 
the heck? Oh, yeah. Was it? Oh, so it's a documentary, so it has to be like live action. I was going to say it was an mm. animated, but yeah, no, it's like a um, yeah, crazy. Well, imagine if I'd p- like randomly picked a different lesser Oscar award, we wouldn't have got that fun anecdote. I yeah, well, I was I was saving it for when we go through at the end. But um, so the four movies that we've got to talk to uh, about that we've got to talk to. A, talk about today uh, <laughs> uh the father promising young woman nomad land and judas and the black messiah that last one is one film title it's not two films called one called judas one called the black messiah uh and then uh yeah of course last week we talked about minari mank sound of metal and trial of the chicago seven so what we did last week was we uh went through the movies in order of how we feel about them um, which I feel like was very easy last week, but I'm finding it a lot harder this week. So what we do is uh, we'll go on the count of three and we'll all name our least favorite out of the four. That doesn't mean it's bad by any stretch, um, but just if you were to rank them one to four, which one would come forth? And it was, should also be said that this is a separate ranking from the last <laughs> yeah, four. Yeah, so it's yeah, not that, like the last four were the bottom four and this is the top four either. So yeah. we, well, me, me and Richard, I, have you ranked them on Letterboxd? On my Letterboxd, I've ranked my you know least favorite to favorite Oscar, oh, the Oscar nominees. oh i haven't done that um but yeah i know i find these ones very hard to rank because they because the kind of cause they're also different but mm. Mm. um let's uh let's we go countdown all right oh god <sighs> okay three two one the fatherland I reckon the father. I was tossing out between the father and Nomadland. I said the father. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Okay. So the father. uh, This tells the story of Anthony, who is uh, an elderly man played by Anthony Hopkins um, and his daughter played by Olivia Coleman. And she's, uh, you know, taking care of him kind of thing. The, 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 he's moved into her flat. But the the way the story's told, it's kind of like we're given his perspective a little bit. And there's a lot of like the production design changes throughout and actors will swap out the same character kind of thing. And it's and it's sort of showcasing that. It's uh, written and directed by Florian Zeller. Uh, it's his directorial debut, but this is based on a play he wrote. Um, and so yeah, this is an adaptation of his play. And I think the, the original play was in French. So we we talked on the last um, episode of Cheat Sheet about how uh, this was the one I was the least excited to see. And I think you guys were in somewhat agreement that it was like the old person movie that got nominated yeah. this year. And I was telling my flatmate about this movie called The Father. And he was like, oh, my dad saw that. And I was like, oh, of course your dad saw it. And mm. then he was like, he said it was like eternal sunshine of the spotless mind and i was like yeah. what no it's not <laughs> your dad wasn't it. supposed to be a cinephile <laughs> <laughs> and, and then i watched it and look yeah it's it is it has shades of eternal sunshine or i'm thinking of ending things and it i would mm. say the main differentiator is that in this movie um it's not hidden the reason why it's told in such a unique and confusing at times way. It's basically, this whole movie is basically built to um, simulate the experience of Alzheimer's or, or dementia. dementia yeah. yeah, so it's it's someone who's 
you experience the whole film from most of the film from their perspective. I'd say 90% of the film is from um, Anthony's perspective. And as you say, Richard, uh, actors change, names change, people change to the point where like, you are on you you i the, the film is designed so that you identify with the person who's losing their mind and memory. yeah 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 i would say yes but also your sympathies sort of change between the mm. different characters you know mm. based on like because you know anthony hopkins performance is kind of like he's like this charming old guy mm. but he's also like a an asshole grumpy yeah. grouch so like you know like yeah, I guess your perspective changes in terms of who you sympathize with because sometimes it's like, oh man, Olivia Coleman's just trying to do right by her father. But then other times mm. it's like, eh, the partner slapped Anthony Hopkins in the face. Yeah. 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 Um, now, because th- this film, like, we, we kind of said that it's like, oh, you know, the, the one you have to watch. And it, it's very clear why it's nominated because it's like these, this Anthony Hopkins, you know, one of the greatest actors of all time, giving potentially one of if not his best performance of all time yeah and- isn't that a crazy statement to make about a movie i didn't want to see like yeah. the silence <laughs> of the lambs as anthony hopkins gives his best performance <laughs> in this old person movie that i went to see at one of those boutique cinemas and was was the, the youngest, youngest person by about 60 years and yeah exactly <laughs> may or may not have been there by myself <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i was i was <laughs> Same. i went to it by myself but um, but and then um, I saw I saw tra- the trailers leading up to the father playing. I was just like, "What the fuck is this movie?" <laughs> there's like there's like a a Benedict Cumberbatch the like Cold yeah. War thriller yeah. coming out, and I was like, "This is a Benedict Cumberbatch movie. This should be known the world over." But I'm finding out it exists because of a trailer and an old person movie. That is a little bit on you, I think. Um, oh, okay. I thought we were collectively dunking on old people together. But no, fine. we were, but I also know about The Courier. Yeah, but I think... <laughs> I forgot it was called that. I feel like we saw that trailer in another old person. When we saw Minari? Yeah, when we yeah. saw Minari. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> so I don't know if it counts. Oh, you don't know about it? Even um, though. Uh... And also, yeah, so on top of Anthony Hopkins giving this, you know, career best performance, you've also got Olivia Coleman coming reasonably fresh off an Oscar win for The Favourite. Um, and she's now, you know, gone from one of these um, comedic actresses that pop up in Peep Show and um, Mitchell and Webb um, to now, like, as one of those actresses that's like, oh, if they're in it, cool, it's going to be an Oscar contender. To being Meryl Streep. Mm. Yeah, essentially. 2.0. Uh, Although so, so- she wasn't nominated, was she? Uh, no, she is. Oh, she is. Oh, yeah, she's not my supporting actress, though. Um, oh, nice. Uh, so, as our resident actor and friend... Um, <laughs> More friend than actor. So. <laughs> no, you had to say actor first, or else I would have thought he was talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, what did you think of the performances in this movie, Ed? Um They were fantastic, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, yeah, Anthony Hopkins was... Yeah, it's interesting because, like... You can kind of tell at times, and I would say not just at times, a lot of the time, that this movie is based on a play. Yes. And in some ways, yeah. his like performance, and I guess that's like the nature of the text as well, is quite kind of theatrical. Yeah. Like, I guess I'm talking about, you know, we talked last week about this, like those Oscar scenes or those yeah. like Oscar moments where Anthony Hopkins is like, you're not taking away my flight. I'm not leaving <laughs> my flight. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And he says it like twice, and you're yeah. like, 
That's that's just, that's, you can't reason with a tiger when you hit it in his mouth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's the whole movie. That's every line of dialogue. <laughs> yeah. And I guess also kind of the nature of the fact that like his performance kind of swings from wild extremes to like I was saying, you know, like him being mm. charming to him being like rude or like cutting or, you know, just kind of lost. Um, so I guess the nature of that is pretty theatrical as well. But yeah. it's also an opportunity to show like a, a, a huge range, but it mm. also feels like grounded and also kind of real um Mm. which is what i would say about most of the performances is like the impressiveness of the other performances aren't their like virtuosity it's like they're just really 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 grounded yeah and really like just they they, they seem really truthful yeah that's the thing about olivia coleman is she's like the the glue that he that holds the things together even like imogen poots um does a good job i mean how fucking terrifying that would be acting against anthony hopkins yeah. as the the new caregiver yeah she um, was fantastic yeah. yeah and also like mark gattis who i've never thought of that strong as an actor from his work on sherlock like he plays the part well because he's one of the actors that is then subbed in for a different character and it's like because because he's revealed at the end to be like oh the mark gattis character is a nice guy the whole time but sometimes you see his face on the asshole character and this he still has that charm about him and it's yeah. like it's it's very well done and like to 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 like i i think this film it was nominated for best picture for more than just the performances obviously and i think mm. it's all it's all intrinsically tied together so like the experimentally it's a very very interesting film it might be surprisingly the old person movie is the most interesting film of the lineup (laughs) you know in in a lot of ways like in terms of the filmmaking and i just really appreciated being um taken on that ride to like to to experience the the mind of a person yeah. and it's it's cool it's cool that yeah at the, at the end of the film when he's in a um retirement home uh he yeah you see the the faces of his of the doctors and nurses looking after him and it's like those are the actors that is mark gaddis as, as you say richard is as is one of the the doctors i think um and so and you go oh so yeah he's been you know potentially the whole movie has been him remembering everything from his hospital or his his retirement Mm. home bed and all these people in his life fade in and out with different faces because they're people he hasn't met yet it's very experimental it's it's something that that i think would be so cool to see as a play but as a movie it is it also translates very well to be able to play Mm. with the conventions of filmmaking um and in a really experimental way and so i was very very impressed with this film uh not not quite to bump it to the top of (laughs) this week's top four but very impressed yeah if if you if you're talking to your friends you're you're Oscar party and someone asks if you if you saw the father and they haven't seen it you know if, if they've seen it you don't want to you don't want to fucking <laughs> but if they haven't and you could say that you have you know you would say it, it was it's quite surprising the like how experimental it is and and what it does yeah. with with the perspective of of anthony hopkins character um yeah any any final thoughts on the father my my one criticism of it is i don't know what it's saying to me it's it's like a showcase of an experience, but it doesn't. The, I feel like the plot doesn't have many um, like narrative twists and turns, and I don't I don't know what the point is by the end. Um, but other than that, yeah, mm. I'm interested by that narrative point um, you bring up because there's uh, there's so many interesting things going on within like the narrative because like eventually it kind of does all tie together and that you Mm. like make sense of like 
who's why he's mm. seeing these people as other people but then there's also yeah, yeah. like within the narrative there's really interesting kind of twists and turns like probably the the thing that sticks out the most is there's like a scene in about the middle of the film where you get basically the tail end of an argument between olivia mm. coleman's character and her partner about like putting him in a home and then yeah. it cuts to them and they're like dad why are you outside and then it cuts to them like having dinner together but then the scene plays out and basically it kind of loops back around and then the mm. end of that scene is them having the argument about their father like it's kind yeah. of yeah yeah there are these really interesting kind of loops and yeah it kind of it, mm. i think that's how it describes the the feeling of what it feels like to yeah and have dementia if you pay attention as well to like what like olivia coleman's character is wearing as well um it's like we we essentially only see her in like two or three outfits throughout yeah. the whole thing even though like if you were to watch and be like okay this scene then this is the next day and then this is the next day probably it looks like it takes place over a couple of weeks with a time jump at the end but we're actually kind of only seeing like two maybe three days um mm. or like or, or memories from only a couple of days scattered in a in a random order um and yeah i thought, I thought that, that was really interesting there's, there's there's a lot of like really interesting clues in the film like that um but i will say are you guys excited for the sequel what? yeah what? they're making a sequel to the father it's called the son and i'm not joking are you um, serious yeah florian zeller had a play um which was a follow-up to the father but i think a follow-up in the sense of like it's a spiritual kind right. of thing um but yeah it's called the son um he's adapting it into a film uh it is about um uh yeah two parents um so a father who's got a busy life with his new partner and a baby it's thrown into disarray when his ex-wife turns up with their teenage son nicholas the young man is troubled distant and angry playing truant from school for months he strives to be a better uh, better father searching to help his son with those intimate and instinctive moments of family happiness but the weight of nicholas's condition sets the family on a dangerous course um hugh jackman has been cast as the father and laura dern has been cast as the ex-wife and presumably timothy chalamet is going to be cast <laughs> as the son at any moment <laughs> literally we can, we can only idea. assume yeah um, if not the, lucas the, hedges like yeah. yeah 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 or um who was the guy who was in three billboards outside Ebbing, missouri uh, caleb yeah. landry jones yeah 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 um i that doesn't really sound like a sequel to be honest but it, yeah it, 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 i think it's, it, more it's like a, a follow-up is the correct is more yeah, more yeah, yeah, like, yeah 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 yeah, um, but anyway, yeah, interesting. The sum. Look for that in, in cinemas, maybe in like like two years. Or something. Uh, so that is the father. Right. Next. Next least favorite. Okay. I think Aaron and I have already given our game away. What we're going to yeah, say, but right. all right. Three, <laughs> two, one. No, no man. Judas and the Black Messiah. All right. Oh. No man. Nomadland wins. All right. Yeah. Wins. Losers. <laughs> no, <laughs> no this coming is second to last like, is definitely a win. <laughs> I almost feel like, as well, like talking about the ranking that you said, you know, this isn't like the, these are the better four. Last week was the worst four. Like, I, I don't know about you guys. Sound of Metal is still my absolute favorite. Yeah. By quite Absolutely. a bit. Yeah. Um, Mank yeah. is the absolute worst by quite a bit. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. then everything kind of fall like all these four for me kind of all fit around Minari kind of like. Yeah. This, you mean there's this Minari is the center point. Yeah. That, yeah, that, that, they, that. They, they're kind of within like 0.1 of a percent around the same as Minari. I won't reveal my complete ranking yet but i can pull up 
my ranking to be able to be like well i think this because i think there is more of a personally anyway i mean it's all personal isn't it like mm. i have a more su- subjective um subjective i i have a more clear ranking in my head of the movies right anyway. yeah uh, yeah, see, like I, I could easily put these four in a different order, but um, but you know, Madland, this is the clear front runner. It's written, uh, written, directed, and edited by Chloe Zhao, who um, made a film called The Rider a couple of years ago, and she's uh, directing Eternals, the the Marvel film that comes out at the end of this year. So yeah, she, um, yeah, how did she do, guys? She... <laughs> so what's what's this movie oh, about? Yeah. It's it's. Do you, do you want to say that? Um, it's it's so it's about a, it's sort of like an examination of like nomad culture mm. in uh, two thousand eleven, two thousand eleven yeah. to two thousand thirteen. I think the timeline of the film is. Um, it follows Fern, played by Frances McDormand, who uh, is one of these nomad, lives in her vans, uh, drives around the country working, uh, you know, uh, small job to small job. What are they called? Fixed contract jobs. G- gig economy. Uh, right oh okay right um and uh and the subtext is she is dealing with the grief of the loss of her husband Hmm. uh and that's about as much legitimately it's it's based around telling you what happens in bullet points it's based around the the true story of like this plant in a place called empire in nevada which shut down and it was one of these towns that was built around a factory it was just built so that people had a place to live that could work there and when the factory shut down within a few months years whatever the the postcode for that town was gone the, t- the town it was completely abandoned um and she lived there with her husband he passed away and now she's kind of without a home um yeah and and, and so it's it's based on a book um but i think it's like the book is like a non-fiction yeah um and it's like it's almost a documentary so Pretty much everyone except for Francis McDormand and um, a guy called Dave, who appears kind of midway <laughs> to later in the film, um, who's played by David uh, um, Strathairn. Um, they're like the only actors in the film. Everyone else are like really re- legitimate yeah. nomads. Yeah. Um, oh, mind blown. I had no idea. <laughs> that makes so much sense though. Yeah, because the whole film is just a series of vignettes essentially. It's just... And, Wait, and even the, the guy who f- talks about his dead son is a yep, real nomad? Yep. Oh, um, that's the, so the, I, I would argue the best performance of the year is Swanky's mm-hmm. monologue about her cancer diagnosis and she's right. a real person. That was I. Oh my god, it blew me away. She she actually is she is she did now she. Uh, I don't what? think so. I don't even know so if she, she actually. <laughs> oh, okay, so that part's not necessarily real. Yeah, I don't think all. I don't think all of the events of the film are necessarily. Okay, real. I'm sorry. But, I need to. Yeah. I need to dial back. I need yeah. to calm down. Um, but yeah, Bob Wells. <laughs> I um, I've like, completely had this movie recontextualized, <laughs> and, and I'm like, like what Francis, the fuck? We're gonna need you to go undercover as a, <laughs> as a nomad. <laughs> oh, yeah, be one with these people. Yeah. But um, but yeah, like Bob Wells, who's the one you mentioned that talks about his dead son in the film. You know, he's like the kind of the guy that they he's like the messiah yeah. um, <laughs> of of van dwelling, and yeah, he's a real guy. He's a YouTube personality who advertises this. That's all real. I don't. I'm not sure about the dead son, but that feels like like uh, it, yeah, it's weird. Did Chloe Zhao write this being like? Oh, I know these people's stories, or was it like workshopped, or was it like, oh, I've written this mm. devastating monologue? Uh, you, you, you have it. You can you know? have a dead son. <laughs> yeah. 
because the acting's so genuine and, and good and it's it's a little hard to believe that someone as like on the outskirts of society as nomads would be able to pull off performances like that like if you guys ever filmed something with non-actors before it can be pretty hard going <laughs> yeah we did it did it today <laughs> <laughs> hey i've got a theory i've got yeah. a theory guys i reckon and 20 years this era of film is going to be defined by movies that are like kind of about nothing like surface level nothing happens in them um mm. not about nothing that's it's the opposite actually they're about something but nothing but happens. there's just but nothing, happens, but nothing yeah. happens because i mean this and i would put minari somewhat in this category mm. as well like and and to for this to be the Oscar front runner, I thought was very interesting because I I wasn't blown away by Nomadland, and I think part of that is because for six weeks it's been built up to me as like this is going to win Best Picture. That's the thing, and for, for me as well, I, I saw it six weeks ago, and so mm. I watched almost all of the Best Picture nominees since then, and so I had like okay, I went into Nomadland knowing okay, this is the best one. And so I watched yeah. that, and now and then it was like expecting all the other ones to be not as good. You know, the toy of my expectations a little bit. Um, yeah. yeah, were you worried having watched it that like every other movie would be kind of crap this year? Because <laughs> you're like, this was pretty good. I not guess. a lot came out as well. Like Roma, yeah. Roma is another Oscar front runner that I'd put in this category mm. of movies that where like the the stuff happening in the background of the movie is all the movie's about, but it is happening in the background of the movie and in the foreground, it's it's seemingly plotless. It's seemingly meandering because like especially in Nomadland, man, it's mm. like. If you th- like, at least Roma, she gets pregnant, you know, and and <laughs> Minari, the the their barn burns down. Like, unless it's like, like some a background character dies, um, uh, well, you know, like I, I, don't know, I think because yeah, the thing about this film is that like it's a film that just meanders from scene to scene, and what's it about? It's mm. a character that meanders from. Yeah. place to place yeah in many ways the the like narrative structure of the thing is like what it's about yeah you it's know? motivated within the story yeah and yeah. also like the um yeah it's kind of there are these layers of like it trying to be true to life and accurately re- representing the life of these people so like you know one of the techniques that i think film kind of does in order to achieve that right is to like kind of take plot away and then just make the film kind of basically episodic in the way that life is not like kind of a neat narrative tied up in an hour Mm. and a half um yeah yeah i thought i thought yeah i 100 percent agree with everything you guys have been saying um it's Mm. like it's beautifully shot and will potentially win like best cinematography um but it also feels like a movie i've seen before yeah Um, yeah yeah, just like the 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 style of it is very kind of indie gritty or is it the the culmination Mm. of several films you've seen before yeah like Mm. this is the purest distilled version of the nothing happens movie you know like if this wins best picture that's that genre like crescendoing right yeah (laughs) well that's i guess that's what i was talking about before we came on air like you know it feels like the sort of movie that in 2015 people would have been like this this should win why isn't Mm. it gonna win it's like like boyhood kind of thing yeah exactly but then you're totally right yeah yeah. they're like Mm. 
Oh yeah, we really liked this form of of cinema as well. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah and it's yeah, like yeah. what what Parasite <laughs> did for foreign films last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if next time you see a film get snubbed at the Oscars, just know that in three to five years it'll win a film very much like <laughs> a slightly less good version will win. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I don't I don't have anything negative to say about no, no I'll say that of it's course just, not. For some reason, it didn't quite. It, it, like I, I I loved this movie, but. I liked other ones more than it. Yeah. If you were to assign a single word to how this movie made you feel, I'm interested to hear that. If you guys have, do you have a, a single word or mood that this made you feel? Wanderlust. Ooh. Are you just saying that because it's basically about wanderlust? Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Eh? Like I didn't. This. I think this is the thing about it is like I didn't finish the movie and feel. I didn't feel a huge amount. I was mm. like. Oh man, it's pretty sad life, and modern life's a bit shit. Yeah, but then I yeah. kind of went on with my day, you know. Yeah. the The word I'd use would be peaceful. I felt very peaceful. Yeah, there, there, there's there's a because she does return to the abandoned town of Empire at the end, and it's there's a feeling of closure. I think she gets, you know. Yeah. Um, and there's, and I think that scene- that's the thing that you're able to feel that contentness at the end of the yeah. film so there's a scene where she's walking along like cliffs over an ocean and the the sound design is immaculate and like it's it's just it, it's very it's a very atmospheric film it's almost entirely atmosphere and mm. it, it's it's like for those other the, the, for everyone else out there like me who um falls asleep listening to 10 hours of rain sounds like this is the movie <laughs> you have to wait for the 10 hours to finish and then you fall asleep <laughs> um, so if you ever like think this, that rain this, sounds is snubbed for an oscar <laughs> <laughs> best original score aj's love this is falling asleep to the rain the movie that's yeah. my opinion I get you, man. It's, um one thing interesting about my experience with this film as well so i hadn't seen a single trailer or like frame from the film except so the two frames i'd seen from the film one is the poster and the other one is like a shot where she's looking over her shoulder and that was like yeah the yeah, yeah i've seen yeah, same. everything um so and i didn't see any trailers anything like that and i went to one of the more kind of boutique cinemas and um it was like jess and i were sitting there waiting for the movie to open and then there was a guy and a girl working the guy was very clearly trying to impress the girl um, oh, yes. but they were talking about um he was like oh have you seen nomadland she's like no nah, no nah. and then um she's like oh, it's got francis mcdormand day and they were like yeah and they, they were kind of saying like yeah 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 i, I kind of like her and one of them's like yeah she's good but i feel like she plays the same character and everything and i was like what an interesting thing to say because i mean like in in more recent years i could i could see that but like and, and so and i was like okay going to nomadland this shot the the poster for the film she's got like you know her underwear uh, hanging on a line and she's sitting there slouched in a chair and she's smoking and i was like oh she's gonna be some fucking i didn't know what the film was about anything some hard bitch that like kind of just goes yeah no, lost my husband like <laughs> and then the film Filthy starts stinking garlic <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly what i thought the character was gonna be and then the film starts and she's like you know eating a peanut butter and banana sandwich and she's like very politely nodding along and listening to everything and and she's like you know it's like almost like a little bit on the spectrum kind of thing and 
it's this it's a very different performance for her i thought yeah. and it's like and there's this very there's like a naivete about her whereas i was expecting this like this fucking hard bitch that's seen the world but no it's the complete opposite <laughs> yeah, of that yeah, yeah. and i was like how can you say she always plays the same yeah. character i guess it's that thing though if you've seen her in enough stuff you can kind of see what her mannerisms are yeah. and like her kind of vocal quality and all that stuff and you're like oh it's just the same person but yeah of course it's the same person there's yeah. only a limit it, it physically which- is the same person yeah. there's a limit to which she can actually transform herself mm. from herself you know yeah yeah no i i had similar experience richard i'd seen very little i think i'd read a sentence long plot synopsis as well um and i'd seen the two shots you described and it's like she i was not expecting her to be such a kind and sort of pleasant person in mm. this movie um and like yeah i can i it's weird i can also understand saying that she plays the same role in every movie but you think about her in three billboards where she's like this callous grief-stricken woman you think about her in fargo where she's like this very naive yeah like like literally um, her two oscar winning roles it could not be more different <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 exactly um so yeah no i i agree yeah um yeah she's she's a credible actress though oh yeah yeah i think that's all we had to say yeah so nomadland is the front runner for best director and best picture um it's mm-hmm. almost a lock if you're if you're a betting person throw as much money as you wanted <laughs> um okay so get back next how much <laughs> huh and you'll get back how much uh let's have a look at our was it a dollar nine it's betting or something uh so for best picture it's a dollar 15 for best uh director it's a dollar five Oh damn! Yeah. Uh, so very, very low odds. For this next countdown, do I say what I think is the next movie we should talk about, or do I keep with my ranking? Uh, the next movie we should talk about, <laughs> like, so, so now Nomadland and the Father have been removed. So now it's just how you rank the last two. Okay. What do we God, got? We only got two left. Promising Young Woman and Judas and the Black Messiah. Oh, yeah, I think I know. Uh, okay. Three, two. One, Judas, Judas and the Black and the Messiah. Messiah. All, right. all right, we all said the same one. Okay, yeah. I thought so- Nomadland was better, but yeah. I don't know if that was clear from my. Yeah. <laughs> I think you made yeah, that you very made clear, clear, AJ. <laughs> Thank you, AJ. <laughs> um, yeah, this is a this is a really interesting. This is one I'd been wanting to see for quite a long time. If you haven't seen the trailer for this film, like I don't normally watch many trailers, but oh, the trailer for this one is like a fucking work. Oh yeah, get your get your hype for a movie. Um. So this is uh, directed by Shaka King, who was a student of Spike Lee, who then, you know, is now the the a long list of like directors who have been recognised over Spike Lee in a year. Oh um, <laughs> that the Five Bloods is, isn't. I don't. I'm I'm kind of pleased to see that not nominated. Yeah, so I don't. I don't think it's as discuss good as it again. Say. <laughs> I I re- it really cooled on me when I first saw it last year. I was like, just through the virtue of when it came out, it mm. was like kind of best movie of the year. Well, this it's- is one of two new movies that has come out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like- it's better than Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> Yeah, I've got a lot of problems with The Five Bloods, but anyway, we're not here to talk about, <laughs> talk about that. Uh, yeah, so this tells the story about of um, Fred Hampton, who was the chairman of the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party, uh, and he's played by Daniel Kaluuya, uh, and then it's about it's told through the story of like through the lens of the FBI, which is like a really interesting way to tell the story, and and you know problematic in some ways um but the fbi informant who 
you know, leads to the taking down of, of Fred Hampton uh, as played by Lakeith Stanfield. Um, and they're both nominated for Oscars. They're both nominated for Supporting Actor um, in one of those kind of weird Oscar shuffling things weird, around so they're not them. competing against certain people and whatnot. But um, yeah, Lakeith Stanfield, is the f- since, the, since their inception, he's the first um, acting nominee to not receive a single other major acting nomination in the entire award season wow. this was his first nomination Whoa. um for this film which is which is and like he i think he posted a thing being like what the fuck when he got nominated <laughs> um but yeah so this uh stars the inter- it also stars jesse plemons as the kind of fbi guy that the Lucky stanfield reports to eyed fbi guy <laughs> yeah yeah uh, and then you've also got martin sheen as um jade gehoover yeah um, who's the director of the FBI? And also, the, the, the interesting thing about this in the Oscar season, this is a, a Dunkirk. Um, what was the Gary Oldman film L- called? Dar- Darkest, Darkest Hour, Hour. situation. A, yeah, yeah, situation yeah. where the, these two films are happening at the same time and they actually reference each other. Spoilers for Judas and the Black Messiah it's about the assassination of Fred Hampton. Like that's just unavoidable. Yeah. That that's well, even about. more, even more on the nose than that. There's a scene where there, where Jade Gahoover is showing hmm. the other FBI agents some documents, and he he shows a court drawing of um, Bobby Seal, Bo- Bobby Seal tied up in court, and he's like, yeah. it must be very cold over in that Chicago uh, courtroom," which is such a specifically designed line. It feels almost like it's really being like because you know because Trial of the Chicago Seven is also go watch nominated. the other one. Um, <laughs> But then also in Trial of the Chicago 7, this this isn't quite how it happened in real life, but when Bobby Seale is allowed to stop being bound and gag, or maybe that's what sets it off, um, it's because of the death of Fred Hampton. That it's referenced right. in Trial of the Chicago 7, but that is one of the things where they messed with the timeline to fit their story a little bit more. Um, but yeah, uh, what do you guys think of it? The most mind-blowing thing about Judas and the Black Messiah was the little caption at the end, which revealed to me mm-hmm. that Fred Hampton was 21 years old at yeah. the time of his assassination. I, I, that's that's what I've taken away from the movie. Yeah. Sadly, is I was like, because not only is Daniel Kaluuya uh, clearly in his early to mid 30s as well, but also like a 21-year-old is this like, the- you know. Yeah, the the, the target of the FBI. But, but yeah. yeah, it really well, does bring. Have you met a twenty-one-year-old? Like, yeah. what, mm. what are you wasting your time on twenty-one-year-olds for? It's so. Well, I think I, I, I think the film makes it pretty clear that he was like <laughs> quite influential. But yeah, the, like that is that is the most mind-blowing thing. Sure. I, sorry. I should I should rephrase. I should rephrase. What I'm saying is, I'm flabbergasted. A twenty-one-year-old could be so much better at at. at you know, doing things for the world than I am at 27. <laughs> I'm very humbled by it. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest with you, uh, Daniel Kaluuya playing a 21-year-old was not the most, like, uh, egregious example of someone too old playing someone of a different age in the Oscar movies. <laughs> um, I, it was so distracting to me when I was watching um, uh, Promising Young Woman. I was like, she is so much older than her character is supposed to be. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Moving um, Florence, Florence Pugh plays a, at one point in Little Woman, played like a 13-year-old, I think. Yeah, so this is, um, in terms of what this is likely to win, Daniel Kaluuya, essentially a lock for Best Supporting Actor. He's won several other ones. And it was I was watching an old episode of that Mitchell and Webb look and it had 
Olivia Coleman as a prominent player, but then Daniel Kaluuya showed up as well. And I was like, this is, in a couple of weeks, this will have two Oscar winners in it. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> Come on, David Mitchell. <laughs> Step up your game. <laughs> Bring it home. Um, this movie, I yeah, this movie was amazing. To me, it really mm. stuck with me. The, like, I don't know, just... I feel like it was as powerful as... Um, what's the Netflix one? The Trial of the Chicago 7. Yeah, I feel like this movie, to me, was as powerful as that movie wanted to be. Yeah, um, yeah Trial of the Chicago 7 was kind of like a sanitized... Yeah, justice and yeah, people's like, rights. Yeah, this is a... That, that, uh, Chicago 7 is more of a Hollywood film. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas, this, whereas this is like, yeah, no, the world's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but the US government assassinated black man a 20 year old a 21 year old african-american man because he was trying to do good for his community and then also you know there was obviously a militant element to the black panthers that can't be ignored but yeah that was wild to me Mm. and really just yeah it stuck with me in a way that the trial of the chicago 7 really didn't Mm. was just like interesting yeah yeah yeah, this this is one of those films though that like when I when I saw that trailer because I just heard oh it's got a cool trailer so I was like, oh, I'll watch it and then it's like oh shit Daniel Kaluuya oh shit Lakeith oh Jesse Plemons like it's like three <laughs> actors that are like I'll fucking watch them in anything now like you know the, yeah, these yeah, these kind of actors that it's like if they're if they're taking a role in it you know it's fucking good yeah yeah and the performance of Daniel Kaluuya is amazing mm. especially because they have like uh, archival footage of the actual Fred Hampton mm. at the end of the movie and you're like man that weird that sort of strange accent that he's been putting on the whole yeah. time was literally just Fred Hampton's way of speaking and yeah. it was like man, oh my god is- Daniel Kaluuya's like British and yeah. yeah I know you guys yeah. you guys would know that but like the accent in this feels like an accent you can only do if you have it you know yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's it is shocking to see how good he is Mm. um i somewhat disagree with you aaron oh lay it on (laughs) me then uh first of all i this is a four out of five star movie for me right so like everything i say from from this next point on should be under the the umbrella of i mean it's a four out of five star movie however i think that um i found it a little unfocused in parts i think i found it um here's 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 ultimately what i think is wrong is and i'm glad that spike lee is tangentially tied Mm. to this movie so it doesn't sound like i'm lumping in all uh black directors with films about civil rights uh, Mm. movements um it's just too unrealistic this would never happen (laughs) no actually kind of the opposite i was ready for this year's black klansman and stylistically it's a lot less rich than black klansman um stylistically it's very it's sort of very grounded and very just shows you what happens whereas like i think i was expecting for the lack of a better word something maybe a little more quirkily presented maybe a little more spikely-esque um I don't know. I don't know why I thought that. I I did see the trailer as well, but it was a, it was a while ago. And this this felt like the most um, by the books movie of this bunch in a lot of ways because it is uh, just a biopic to me. I guess it was just it was the events as they happened. Wouldn't there's nothing wrong with that. I think I just prefer a little more flair in my 
films i guess um but i mean that's where it loses a star what it, where it gains other stars for me and it is um before before watching it me and my flatmate were talking about how like how how hollywood are the black panthers going to be represented because you know hollywood tends to shy away from promoting things like communism and socialism so is it actually got like you know like mm. is it actually going to honor that and boy did it like it is you know it is without for better or worse shows uh fred hampton co- as a complete like socialist and mm. it doesn't shy away from that stuff which is, is a, a really good move i think to you know no matter what your politics are um yeah. i think that the the performances are incredible i thought uh um, I, I really enjoyed how much I, I thought that uh, Jesse Plemons character is a little bit more um, nuanced than I thought he would be. I thought he was just going to be a very scary, like a compelling, but very scary. Yeah. evil. Yeah. His character was FBI interesting the way agent. he ended up though, because th- there's the moment where um, Jade Gehova, um who's disgusting in this film. Mm-hmm. And I haven't mm-hmm. seen Jay Edgar, the, the Clint Eastwood film starring Leonardo DiCaprio, but I can't imagine uh, it He's paints him as negatively as this, yeah. um, especially <laughs> when you've got Clint Eastwood directing it. Um, but the, yeah, there's the scene where... Um, he's like oh you've, you've got a daughter right and like yeah yeah she's like eight months old or something like that and hoover says well how are you going to feel when she brings home a black man and he's like what she's an infant what are you talking about and he's like mm, just just saying and 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 you get the sense that jesse Plemons is like rethinking his life essentially just being like oh my god why am i working for this monster but then yeah he, he doesn't have the mo- like and i guess maybe it would be too hollywood to then have the moment where he's like actually i'm gonna fight for for you know civil rights kind of thing but then it's yeah i think you 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 see that he's has that moral quandary but and yeah maybe that's kind of just a more realistic thing to he ultimately becomes quite quite the antagonistic force but i think laying the groundwork earlier in the film presented as a man with questions who faces a an ultimatum where he ultimately sides with the the wrong choice um uh but the, the the thing do you know um uh roy roy mitchell i think his name is was jesse plemons character's name uh when this movie finished he doesn't he doesn't get a placard at the end saying what happened to him mm. and i was like ah he won't be a real person you know like he will be a amalgamation of several different fbi agents i bet because um chernobyl has a similar thing with the yeah. main female character in it um that she's like an amalgamation of several different characters but he is a real person i looked him up he's, yeah. he's a real fbi agent um which shocked me because the the character screams written for the ease of the story yeah, yeah. um but no he's, he's a real person i guess he just didn't do anything that amazing afterward but i think that the reason why he's so good and the reason maybe why lakeith stanfield um is also nominated because like daniel kaluuya is the obvious uh yeah, he's the power standard. house yeah, yeah right but but what i like about um and we sort of touched on it with jesse plemons but with lakeith stanfield in here it's a role where you see someone change their mind about something without them ever vocalizing that without them ever seemingly change like a lot of their behavior you see mm. um you see bill o'neill who's lakeith's character you see him like come around to the ideologies and and to yeah. go from a a sort of politically 
uh, you can you can see him stop pretending to play along and start exactly exactly and i for that reason i was like this is an oscar worthy performance i think i think it's i was expecting and this is a um you would you can't change what really happens problem but like in terms of a story i was kind of expecting more of a closure to uh lakeith's character but the the, and the film goes into this is in real life he continued to be an informant for the fbi and then Mm. after his one interview was played on a documentary um he killed himself which is that night horrible yeah yeah how creepy is that that's Mm. insane and like you watch this connected yeah i do actually (laughs) (laughs) you watch he's always that off tonight (laughs) (laughs) you show you show they show a clip of the actual interview with him which was the one interview he ever did where he basically says like say what you want about me but i was out there in the streets and it's this it's this tragically desperate thing to say for someone in his position you know and 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 i'm not at all surprised he killed himself that night because that's a what but i guess for me what what i find truly tragic and i'm this is maybe the point of the film is like lakeith stanfield's not really ever given a way out either so it's not like he made a decision to be an informant it's more he was like you either go to prison or you be an informant um and maybe maybe the the comment of the film is actually on the larger i mean of course it is on the the larger problem with systemic racism and the law enforcement than it is with his care like he's a victim as well i guess yeah it was funny that you you mentioned that um i think you mentioned this on the the most disappointing podcast but you said the um trial of the chicago sevens like most people might be the most anti-cop movie you've ever seen and it's mm. like if not more than yeah. that, you know? <laughs> i think this no, is absolutely. slightly more anti-cop yeah yeah no, absolutely. I, don't, I don't know if i necessarily feel comfortable sharing this but I'm definitely yes. this this movie made me want to beat up pigs more than uh, <laughs> well it's, it's an inherently more violent and like aggressive movie yeah, well. yeah 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 and like i i love this movie for the record i love this movie so, yeah. i i just if we're doing this thing where we're comparing it to the other movies so, yeah. yeah um all right any any final thoughts about uh juice and the black messiah there are definitely some Oscar scenes in this movie. Yeah, yeah, um, and they're so good. Oh my god! So yeah, I, I, the 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 what plays on the clip um, when they say Daniel Kaluuya presumably will be the like I am a revolutionary because that's mm. just like it's the most bombastic scene in the film. Yeah. Um, so that is just the Black Messiah, and just one film left to talk about. Three, two, one. Promising, Promising young woman. Young woman. So, Promising Young Woman is directed by Emerald Fennell, who uh, you might recognize as being one of the head writers of uh, Killing Eve. She was the showrunner for season two, um, which is the show's had a different showrunner for each season. And that's like its thing. It's not just like, oh my God, they're all getting fired. Do you reckon Um, (laughs) they intended that to be its thing? Or they like, because Phoebe Waller Bridge presumably left after season one. Yeah. And then maybe this one left after season two and they're like let's just make it a thing <laughs> well i feel like it could be one of those things where phoebe Wallbridge is like you're welcome to make more but i'm only doing one season and then emerald fennel would have come in and been like well i'll do the same then yeah maybe i don't know anyway we're not here to talk about um <laughs> to, to talk about uh, it's a weird eve. thing to make your thing because i don't know if the average watcher of killing eve would know what a showrunner is oh, yeah i have had people say <laughs> that they liked the first season but the writing wasn't as good on the second season um i would uh, show parrot that <laughs> that's showrunning baby yeah. uh, so no promising young woman uh 
can we can we just do a, a little content warning? Yeah, I was going to say yeah, for, because this is a movie that's basically impossible to, to talk about without discussing things like suicide and sexual assault. Yeah. Um, and and to, to like this is, and I'm not just being like, oh, let's talk about this one hairy scene. Like the the movie is the movie one I'm of them. Yeah. I would say one of the most triggering movies. I would assume. I you know, like I, we, I all three of us are lucky enough to not be um, people who I think are uh, affected by seeing troubling material in a way that others are. Yeah. Um, but if if I were one of those people, I can't imagine watching. I I made the mistake of just putting this on and with a room full of people uh this week and at a party like, you didn't even know them and, <laughs> and, and i knew them and and i sort of knew where their thresholds were but i didn't actually know how truly yeah. harrowing this film is um and afterwards i had to be like hey everyone i'm sorry i did i wasn't more clear with how yeah intense this movie is so we will be discussing these things just because it's impossible to discuss it without saying all the stuff yeah so it's it's, it's, yeah the story of this friend this this woman who is avenging the death of her friend um after she was she was raped at a med school party uh and it was covered up because boys will be boys like that's that's Mm -hmm. the kind of attitude the school took um and you know you're going to ruin these men's career if you're going to to go down this path and then so now what cassie does is she goes to bars pretends to get completely wasted blackout drunk uh then you know it lure essentially luring guys into taking her home and then you know as like when they start going on she's like what the fuck are you doing like yeah and, yeah, she, and calls she them out instantly sobers up and yeah yeah and, and reveals well, from it, their perspective that she's that she's not drunk at all yeah. and yeah then she starts to get into a relationship with a guy played by Bo Burnham um, and a very like very interesting casting we'll talk about the casting a bit in a sec um, but yeah and she, she it's essentially she's got this list of people that she's has to go around and write the the wrong that they that they did to her friend um, it's my name is Earl yeah <laughs> <laughs> but a more aggressive version or the opposite of my name is Earl yeah, yeah and she hasn't won a million dollars no yeah um, and her name so actually Richard, isn't Earl as well. It's Cassie. You wanted oh, really? to separate these well, spoilers yeah, let, let's, from the yeah because yep, I'll let you promising take. young woman is like if you watch if you watch this film you know what I mean um, is that like you can't discuss this or like the, the the biggest kind of talking point or one of the biggest talking points is the ending of the film. So we're gonna give we're gonna talk about everything else um, and then I'm gonna give you like a, a five minute window. I'm going to set a timer. We'll talk for five minutes about the ending. If you haven't seen the film and you don't want to be spoiled, and this is like, this is actually like legitimate. It will ruin the film for you if you know the spoiler kind of thing. (laughs) Like this is actually, this isn't like, oh yeah, it's about the assassination of Fred Hampton. It's like, no, no, this film goes in an unexpected direction and you're better off not knowing it. So we'll give you a, we'll give you a a warning when that's going to happen. We'll do spoilers free up until then and then there'll be a little window where just if you've seen it or if you don't mind um being spoiled then you can join on that little fun conversation come um, in we'll yeah. spoil you like your grandma <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah th- this is this is a super interesting film i remember seeing the trailer for this a long time ago and it just looked like this very quirky probably never actually gonna never be released in new zealand kind of thing and yeah. um and you know would be 
78 percent of Rotten Tomatoes, but people will be like, no, it's actually pretty pretty cool because it was just this this like quirky revenge thriller. Can, do you know when the trailer did come out for this? Because I might be misremembering. I I feel like the trailer came out for this in like 2017. Uh, you you the, the the she came up with the idea of the film in 2017. Right, and then she shot the trailer, and then they yeah. made the movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a long yeah, time so, ago, though. As, as my yeah, point. its like, world premiere was yeah. January 25th, 2020, um, and it was going to be released on April 17th, 2020. So we, we would have seen the, the trailer around January last year. Oh wow! Um, right, and then eventually came out over Christmas. Um, <laughs> yeah, so this is. Um, uh yeah yeah like it's that it's one of those kind of films but it's like yeah it's a it's a quirky revenge there's elements of comedy in there um but in in terms of how well it nailed what it set out to do it it did (laughs) you know like like this is this is a perfect film if you look at it through that that margin and then some as well like it's not it's see like it's a quirky film but in some ways that makes it sound like it's going to be like kind of a safe indie movie Mm. but it's not even that really like tonally it shifts so like vastly Mm. throughout the whole film that it's like man she's really swinging for the fences here like Mm. it's not even you know like it's a quirky film but it's like a it's actually a quirky film not like a Mm. oh it's so quirky yeah Mm. um and it's and it's it's a really fresh interesting directorial voice um Everett yeah. Fennell who also appears in the film as the host of the blowjob lips makeup tutorial video <laughs> the director of the film wow um she's also an actress she, she is an actress as well she's been in like the crown and she things. also has a uh, youtube series <laughs> youtube channel that's uh, um but yeah like yeah what, what do you think of the film major um i so i mean this is this is a film where uh, a lot of the issues it is discussing and a lot of the um the subject matter of it uh is very what's the right word here like relevant to cult popture and or at least me like i feel like the the issues this movie tackles has been are, are issues that we have tackled on the podcast and issues that i don't want to speak for you richard but for me like i've walked the walk of a lot of the uh <laughs> Let me say everything before I'm interrupted. What, what you, like I, I know right. you're saying that, that you like the the whole nice guy shtick, right? Then so cards on the table. If you knew me in high school, you would describe me as a a nice guy in the pejorative sense, right? I I don't think I was I you know I didn't I wasn't as 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 bad as the guys in this, and I I never for the record I've never done anything of of the ilk of the, the male characters in this movie mm. but it was still like i related to the idea of being an overlooked nice dude that the girls didn't care about and i had a fedora you know the whole shebang <laughs> that was me in high school and my the last 10 years of my life have been me going on a journey where basically i reached a fork in the road where i could either become an incel or become a feminist and thank god i became a feminist right um so the this felt like a, a very pointed movie to me. Yeah. And for that reason, there was some stuff I really loved about it. There was some stuff I really struggled with. Um, like, you know, it was very, it was very confronting. And there was some stuff that I, I was I didn't know if I was going to bring this up, but I feel like I've laid the foundation now. Um, 
and you and I talked about this together, Richard, off pod. And so if we can approach this from with a with grace, I think we can talk about this because I was nah, nervous to bring this up. Not a chance. Um, and ca- <laughs> least, least, it, least it looked like I don't understand the film. Yeah. Um, um, Aaron, one do you want to go of, get your girlfriend, Grace, so we can approach the subject with her? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> one of, one of the, the um, small criticisms I had with the script of this film, I think, was that uh, a lot of the it has a lot of buzzwords in it where like like christopher mintz plass's character after he's been caught out trying to um have sex with with uh cassie while she's she's drunk um he says things like i'm a nice guy and at, at one point she's getting cat called and they're like oh learn how to take a compliment you bitch and and it's <laughs> all these things that that i was like the 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 spirit of these things is real but it's strange seeing a movie where like the the immediate straw man-esque anecdotal phrases are the ones that are used you know what i mean mm. like it's it's not you get the impression that chris it i guess if if i were if i were to to read the script i would say like christopher mintz plas should say i'm a nice guy without saying the words exactly mm. and so in, in that sense i felt it was maybe a touch on the nose with the way it presented these very real and very valid problems in male like masculine culture um it was just like i i did wonder did it need to be a little more subtle because it almost feels like the these things are such obvious don't say that in the situation yeah. things that it's like but- yeah exactly so say say what you said to me when i said yes okay and now we kind of have to get into spoiler territory (laughs) um to if you want to if you want to hear my sick fucking rebuttal (laughs) <laughs> you're gonna have to watch the film well, or not worry about i want spoilers. to emphasize that this was a this was a very open and welcoming conversation and <laughs> yeah no it, it was this this was this was us workshopping these thoughts together so i'm gonna put up a timer i'm gonna do longer than five minutes actually i think um give us give us seven minutes and i will um and so from from when i say now look at where you are in the podcast and skip ahead seven minutes and then the timer will finish um so i'm going to I'm going to count down so I don't miss it. Um, All right. Seven minutes and zero seconds starting now. Okay. So what I said to that is because it's after getting this nice, quite a, quite a cute, nice romantic um, story between her and, burnham's character i thought you were going to say message from aj and i was like what (laughs) (laughs) um is that um it's then revealed that he was at the party where her friend was raped and because she she sees a video of it you don't see the video uh, but you hear the audio and you hear bo burnham's distinct voice being like oh my god guys this is so fucked up like but not stopping it kind of thing and then realizing like fuck he's one of the guys as well like he he's one of the assholes it then recontextualizes everything else he's done in the film and because up until this point you've seen like oh, okay they're just doing very surface level stuff it's just i'm a nice guy learn to take a compliment that kind of thing it's then going like wow actually okay like the first time we see bo burnham he asks her out she says no he comes back the next day and he says oh, i'm not taking no for an answer and you see that as like a cute thing but then with the context of like oh he's actually a fucking creep is like mm. yeah and so it, because it, it's it's blasting you with all the in your face stuff the whole time the subtle stuff is able to go under and then have that like jaw dropping moment where it's all recontextualized. Now, as for jaw dropping moments in the film, <laughs> if if you still haven't had the chance and you don't want to be spoiled, like turn this off now. Um, so 
the film culminates and uh cassie is now getting revenge on like the the the, the main perpetrator um and it's it's his bachelor party she dresses up as a stripper and goes there and is like oh, i'm here to be so she takes him upstairs handcuffs him to the bed and then essentially says you know you this is who i am this is what i'm here to do um and then she's gonna carve her name the, yeah. the her, her friend's name into his body yeah and um he freaks out and he um grabs a pillow sticks over her face puts his knee on it and smothers her uh in a very very long scene that is just a single shot that moves slightly closer in the whole time um and smothers her to death and that's it and cassie's dead and this was like genuinely like jaw hit the floor this is one of the most shocking things i've ever seen in it's film. stunning it's yeah. it's it's yeah it is i was stunned it's I one of it. one of the boldest choices i've ever seen in a film yeah, and man. and you're like no 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 like she, she's she's struggling and struggling and then she stops moving you're like no 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 she's gonna come back and then and then he's freaking out she's still not moving and then the next morning um schmidt from new girl (laughs) um (laughs) i want to talk about that so so do i and and that's why i wanted to talk about yeah and spoilers but yeah max greenfield um comes as the best friend he's like oh yeah you're doing this kill the stripper bit and then it's like no no no, actually she she is dead there is a dead woman in this bed um and then they burn her body and it's like and I, at, at this point, I'm still like, no, 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 no. Yeah, no, it's as it's as her body's burning, where I was like, damn, she really is. Dead. And do you know what? That was the original end of the film. Really? Yeah, it just feels cut, like cut it. It feels like it. And yeah. and if I may um, talk about Max Greenfield, is Greenfield? Yeah. I, I just want to yeah. quickly say, if, if you've gotten Sorry. this far and you haven't right. seen the movie, but you want to, like, it does end that she had put this plan in place to get everyone their comeuppance. Um, yeah. And the witch is, like, activated with her death because she knew she was going to die. Um, or that she knew there was a chance anyway. Uh, but, yeah, let's talk about the casting of this film because it's my favourite thing about the film. <laughs> yeah. So um, on, I, I want to talk about Max Greenfield specifically, but, like, Bo Burnham's really good casting because a lot of people like us probably see a bit of themselves in Bo Burnham, mm. and that's the point, you know. Um, but Max Greenfield, what I thought, thought was so fucking brazen about <laughs> the direction and why it's such a commanding scene um, in that, in that well, after she dies is that Max Greenfield comes in and he's he's been in the movie a little bit but this is where it's like oh this is why you cast mm. recognizable actor Max Greenfield in this role role is for 5 minutes it becomes a early 2000s frat comedy yeah and it's and to the point where it's like this is gonna piss off some people that mm. like if this wasn't directed by a woman you'd be like Jesus Christ dude do not put this in the film <laughs> um you know and and it's 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 it becomes a different movie very briefly and i think the point of that the reason why it does that is because it's spent this whole movie highlighting poisonous toxic masculinity and now it goes and it's in your fucking pop culture too it's in the movies you grew up with it's in these dumb comedies which dominated hollywood for so long is there are comedies where something like this happens and it it oh my Mm. fucking god it was so confronting to be like 
look how silly this is because the 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 performances from an acting perspective and Aaron perhaps you could um validate me on this as our resident actor uh, <laughs> it is it is directed and played for laughs right like the their reaction like even though he's just the 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 other characters just killed the main character and it's very harrowing all of a sudden he becomes like oh my god dude i fucking killed the stripper and it's 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 played for laughs it's like the the language of the scene is one of mm. comedy and it's it's to critique not just toxic masculinity but toxic masculine cinema which mm. is so fucking awesome yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i think i i don't know if it's fair necessarily to say that the this is the one kind of genre shift in the movie because mm. there's no. like uh, yeah it turns into a rom-com for a long yeah like yeah. the middle section mm. is definitely a rom-com when they're when they're yeah, in yeah. the like in the pharmacy singing stars are blind by paris yeah. hilton that's that's an iconic rom-com scene yeah right there yeah. in which again yeah, yeah. you know you're you're right it's it's used in order to to highlight you know the the dangerous nature that life of, isn't like the movies yeah yeah know? exactly yeah. and you know like these tropes are in a way kind of dangerous because it's like you know rom-coms kind of ideal is that you know you'll either change a gruff guy to be a nice guy or like you'll find a nice guy who will you know that should be your end point in life but like you know that's not really how life should be and also like she questions whether these nice people actually exist or like what is niceness yeah um one thing i do i, mean, I do we, we are wanna... um, approaching the end of the seven minutes i'm going to give us another five but we have to wait to the seven minute mark so we can tell people <laughs> um to, to, to give us another little bit of time so 10 9 8 also, so. I don't know if you wanted to know this, guys, but uh, Bo Burnham is currently thirty, and mm. Carrie Mulligan is thirty-five. So you said before, cool. Aaron. That's that's she's, seven minutes. She's oh, can't. Oh, <laughs> fuck off. Um, okay, uh, if you're joining us because you didn't want to be spoiled, um, our spoiler discussion got a bit more in depth than than we kind of thought. Give us another five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm gonna give. Uh, I'm gonna say five minutes. We might need more. Very funny, but um, starting three two. Well, well, yeah, come back in five minutes, starting from three, two, one. Now, um, yeah. So yeah, you you said before, Aaron, that you thought Carrie Mulligan was way older. Yeah, man. She, she she she's only five years older. I think she just looks like that. I think she's I know. Kind of face. Yeah, <laughs> is she thirty five? I thought she was thirty seven. Thirty five. Thirty five. Uh, um, a, a cursory Google search. Said, um, um, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. The, so old, man. So, so old. No, nah, I don't know. There was something about seeing her. I, I and it's probably I, intentional. I it's like you can, I, I'd believe that, you know, she would appear older than she is d- d- due to, like, you know, the, the, the emotional stress that she's gone through. Yeah. But anyway, um, just on the what you mentioned about Max Greenfield specifically, the casting overall, like every fucking male character in this film is played by some lovable goofball. And it and it, mm. it, it sells the message so much more. Like so, first first guy she takes home is Adam Brody from the OC, who's just like just Seth from the OC, um, harmless, couldn't hurt, couldn't hurt a fly. Then she brings home McLovin, you know, <laughs> um, and then you know ends up kind of falling in love with Bo Burnham, the comedian, and then um, the go, goes to to the the final boss, and Schmidt from New Girl opens the door. And and yeah. then we find out like oh the guy she's been going to kill this whole time is Piz from uh, Veronica Mars and it's like literally every single person in this film is like a a lovable goofball from TV and that's and such fantastic casting because it, you're disarmed by every single man you see on screen. The only thing I say yeah. about the Bo Burnham casting is 
when I first saw it, because the only thing I know of Bo Burnham other than his like film, um, that's great. It's great, which is a fantastic film. But the only I've only ever seen like clips of him, and his mm. comedy is kind of him being an asshole, yeah, sort like of. Yeah. yeah. So like when I saw it, I was like, "This is an interesting casting. Isn't he most renowned for being an asshole?" Mm. And then he was like a nice guy, and I was like, "Oh, okay, interesting." Like you know, it's a bit of a stretch yeah. as an actor. He wants to show his chops, and then like he turns out he's like an <laughs> asshole. So yeah. I guess you know, and what, even still, like it's using everything yeah. you know to play with your expectations. Yeah, and. The fact that it bounces around like that is, is is great. Yeah. Yeah. The thing about Bo Burnham though is that his entire shtick is like it like playing the arsehole is part of the shtick, meaning like it is clear from his material that he's making fun of someone. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That, that he like, doesn't so actually believe that. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and he's you're very vulnerable and, and like his his comedy is all like this is I'm putting my actual self out there. Um but yeah, and then you realize when the when the pin drops, and you, and you realize, like I said, you have those moments that are recontextualized that are like, you know, and, and like as a guy, especially, and and you know, if this is a if this was just a straight rom com, you'd be like, oh, he's not taking no for an answer. That's so cute. But then like this is the kind of shit that girls put up with all the time and actually find fucking creepy. And like you know, not taking no for an answer in, in that context, it's like, oh, you know, he's so charming. But then what where else won't you take no for an answer and like yeah, it's, yeah. it's all those kind of implications and um then you know even when he and he he takes her for a walk they go for an evening stroll and he's like oh hey we're right outside my apartment do you want to come up and it's like and and she freaks out and he was like oh you know i thought that was a good move kind of thing um and yeah it's it, again that's another thing that's like that's actually a pretty creepy thing to do yeah even at the time though and yeah. during that scene i was like that was not cool, man. Yeah. That was uncool. Yeah. Um, and then he does have the moment when she essentially, you know, confronts him and says, like, like I know all the shit. Like, I, I know you are there. I know you're, you're a creep. And he's just like, you're a fucking bitch. Like, he, he like, snaps at her. And he, and he, he, he I think he, he, he talks down about her not being a doctor or something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, he, and he calls her a bitch. And it's like, you're actually just pathetic man like yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you- once the like uh rug has been pulled underneath his like sense of self and like security of self yeah. suddenly you see who this person is um, yeah can i say mm-hmm. um when i was watching the movie i was like because in some ways carrie mulligan's character represents kind of the spirit of vengeance yeah. right and i was like Oh man, this uh, this can't end well. And then, like, as the movie kept going along, I was like, "Man, she's really painting herself into the corner." Like, you know, she's like the mm. spirit of vengeance, like like that, Ghost Rider. Yeah, that like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, and the nature of that is like an inevitably tragic ending. Yeah. So, like, there's kind of that thing in my head that's like, "Oh, it's going to go badly. It's going to go badly." And then it does go badly. And you're like, when I saw the scene of her being killed, I was still like, my jaw on the floor, and I was like, "Man, she's just painted." Herself into a corner how does she come how does oh <laughs> we've reached we're the gonna need there. another minute everyone all right another another i'm gonna give us three minutes this time because i'll say one more thing on this yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um okay so three more minutes starting from three two one Continue. yeah the um the writing kind of paints itself into this corner and it's like man how they how they get out of this one they basically fulfilled the arc of a, a classic tragedy and then the fifth act comes in and it's like 
man, you really painted yourself out of that corner. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Um, but also, awesome. the idea of painting yourself out of a corner just yeah. doesn't work. It's like you're just walking on wet paint at that point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you're painting over the paint you just walked on. I don't know how she does it. All right, I don't know the mechanics. Um, but also, one thought that I did have, uh, and it was kind of bouncing off what you said, is that like. I always thought of her as like a spirit of vengeance. Like she's taking, at the start, she's taking these guys out mm. to like, you know, enact some form of vengeance yeah. or like teach them a lesson, right? But, and it seems like a kind of, I don't want to say negative thing, but it's like an act of vengeance. Yeah. But like thinking about it, maybe what she's actually doing is like, Proving to these people that their lives are a lie and how they think mm. of themselves as nice guys Listening is actually a lie, and giving them an opportunity at that point to reassess their life. Yeah. So, in some ways, it's like, yeah, it's an act of vengeance, but it's also kind of an act of, I don't want to say service because that's kind of icky, but yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like a public service. It's trying to, like, in an ideal world, it's like this guy would now go off into the world with like a, a new outlook and she's she's falling on that sword and being like i'll be the woman in this situation so that i'm the last one yeah kind of thing um but you just just as as the our timer wraps up i do want to say as well that they're like this is the right kind of divisive i think yeah this is like if you said you hated this film because the ending it's like yeah, totally. Tell me why. Mm. You know, like yeah. I, I, I would love to have debates with the, with people. Like I'm not even sure I love the fact that she dies. You know, yeah, but I agree. It, it, it and makes I, you think. I, I, ra- I rated it accordingly and yeah. ranked it with the other Oscar movies accordingly because of how um, uncomfortable I am with that decision. Yeah, like like genuine, like I said, like it's actually one of the boldest storytelling decisions I've ever seen. But one that I can't say is the wrong decision. Mm. You know, which is like killing Brian Cranston and Godzilla. It's like, yeah, you actually made the wrong decision. In that case, <laughs> this one, it's like, yeah, like it's it's uh, the yeah. timer counts out, and it's like the person checks back in who skipped all this, and here's Brian Cranston dying in Godzilla. <laughs> and you're like, oh fuck! <laughs> you didn't warn me about other spoilers for other movies. Um, all right, so we've got twenty seconds before um, non spoilers. Any, any, oh, yes. any spoilers can, you want to yell out? Can I? Can yeah. I? Um, you know how uh, we criticized season two of um, Killing Eve. Eve. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I didn't like about it was it was less surprising than the first season of Killing Eve. But the ending to this movie is like so incredibly surprising. <laughs> it's more surprising than all of <laughs> than all of Killing Eve. Yeah. All right, everybody, all right, that's, welcome that's back. The end of our discussion about. Um, promising young woman um if you if you don't have time to watch it and you've skipped ahead um i just, I just spoil it for you um like almost 15 <laughs> minutes at this point <laughs> yeah um that uh if you're at your oscar party you don't have a chance to watch it and you didn't listen to our discussion just say poor that ending <laughs> um, say i don't really know how to feel about it <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> And then, um, and they'd be like, "Yeah, yeah. What do you think?" Without, like, you know, in case there's other people around that haven't seen it, without spoiling it, what, what, what did you make of it? Um, what did you make of the first four, four fifths of the movie? Uh, that I've definitely right, seen. So that is uh, that's our cheat sheet to to the to the Oscars. Um, what we always what we've always done, and maybe I'll, I'll be, we're not going to do this on pod, but I might do it and uh, privately is. Uh, we look at the the odds and like the uh, and 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 often place bets. Um, I haven't set it up to place any bets, but I can talk about like what the actual odds are. Um, 
so just going through like what we've got in the way of like sure things um and and ones that are like really close um so original songs interesting one i was super stoked original song um husavik from eurovision song contest song of ice and fire <laughs> um or ice and fire saga whatever it's called did you watch this aaron no nah. <laughs> like it's not bad <laughs> um aj will tell you it is terrible it's terrible but it's not i think it's as bad as, as everyone said it wasn't nah, actually it's fucking sick as- man. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's not bad but the music and especially the final song is like beautiful i'm so glad it got nominated for an oscar however um this will almost 100 percent likely go to speak now from one night in miami which i watched the other night it's actually a very good film um the song is by leslie Odom jr who um aaron burr from hamilton um who's also nominated for his performance as sam kirk in the film but uh this will put him one and just an emmy away from having an egot as well um and he's been nominated for a couple of emmys so i would say that's not very far away from him in his future um what else we got um production design is we'll go to mank might be mank's only academy award um oh they made old hollywood um <laughs> uh film editing and uh sound which is now just be sound um are both looking like they're going to go to sound of metal which is cool um best sound for sound of metal is like yeah yeah bit, bit as much money as you want on it um uh score soul edging out mank but it's they're, they're the same people it's Trent Reznor and Attica Ross, Ross this, <laughs> them for both um, alright let's get to the some of the more interesting ones uh, Nomadland you mentioned cinematography that is the favourite for cinematography um, animated feature film is Soul obviously um, original screenplay is an interesting one the, the two screenplay awards so original screenplay you've got uh, Juice of the Black Messiah Minari Sound of Metal Trial of the Chicago 7 and Promising Young Woman um chicago seven's an interesting one because it's based on a real event but he's not adapting a specific like a, a book that was already written about it um uh yeah which is one of these weird like adapted based on true stories are, are weird but um yeah this is actually promising young woman is probably the favorite for this wow um which yeah is like cool i mean get out one um i mean joe jojo rabbit one adapted but it's like yeah cool give it to these quirky yeah, like just very like bold interesting kind of voices yeah and it's especially these kind of ones where it's like to get an academy award that early in your career is like yeah like it puts you on the map um and the nomad land probably for adapted um unfortunately beating out borat subsequent movie film no um as i mentioned chloe Zhao is a lock for director um the four wait so sorry go back so borat subsequent movie film is like the second most likely uh third um according to the to the to the official odds after the father and nomadland okay um let's get like i'll still take that (laughs) (laughs) uh okay so the four acting categories that we have something very interesting this year so daniel kaluuya as i said is um yeah it's pretty much locked for supporting actor um chadwick boseman for uh lead actor there is there is a very small possibility for a, a hopkins upset um that he could take it out but he, he's had his moment chadwick boseman is never going to get another chance um and it's it's a great performance and there's a there's a tragedy to his performance that it's 
the the whole film is a bit his character is about essentially the, the whole point of his character is he's got his whole life ahead of him and he's going to make something of himself kind of thing so there's, it's it's a it's an inherently like quite a heartbreaking film to watch now isn't it interesting that daniel kaluuya is nominated for best supporting actor and chadwick boseman is being nominated for best lead actor when i i feel like most people would switch them yeah that yeah the, those categories um, around but yeah putting putting boseman in i i actually think that it's because Bo, boseman was put forward as lead they said nah fuck we're not going up against that put both right. um daniel kaluuya and lakeith stanfield in supporting because like yeah lakeith in supporting is like yeah yeah like he's definitely the lead but if he, if he was if he was supporting it's like oh okay well i guess then fred hampton's the lead but yeah. no, they're both supporting but that has happened before um like the what favorite is, it is was, yeah yeah the favorite yeah. it is judas and the black messiah so if judas and the black messiah are the supporting yeah. leads yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> who's the lead <laughs> jesse plemons and um uh, it turns out that the, the people who decide these nominations are just, just did not understand. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, they, they were real pro cop, like pro. Yeah, from wasn't... the FBI story. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then, uh, supporting actress. This has actually changed since I've looked at it um, in the last because there's been uh, the Baftas since I last looked. Um, so Maria Bakalova from Borat subsequent movie film was the favorite. Um, but she's now um, fallen behind um, Yon Yojong from Minari because um, she, she won the BAFTA. Boo! I have a video essay that is relying on Maria Bakalova winning <laughs> um, <laughs> supporting Oscar. It's <laughs> a lot of work. And going also, down I the think tube. she deserves it, frankly. Uh, and I think I, I, think, I think Minari. Yeah, I mean, like, like again, it's the kind of thing like um, Maria Bakalova is like this is yeah, it's it's an incredible performance and it's. It would be so good to um, recognize that kind of performance, but yeah, it would be yeah. cool to have a comedy. So <laughs> they don't tend to reward comedies that much, do they? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Give yeah. us Maria Bakalova. You don't have to give comedy anything else for five years. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's such a, it's such an important win for a comedy. I um, think, but there could especially because be... it's such a specific kind of performance. The, yeah. so, like, let's say Yon Yuzhong is going to win for Minari. Then we have potentially a very important, um, another more. Um, potentially more important moment um in oscar history so the two it's, it's almost neck and neck for best actress between carrie mulligan and viola davis for marini's black bottom carrie mulligan isn't in marini's black bottom so like um <laughs> carrie mulligan for promising young woman but viola davis for marini's black bottom um if viola davis wins then potentially all four actors would be people of color which would be the first time that's ever happened wow nice how do you feel now aj <laughs> uh yeah right exactly yeah why do why does this always happen on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> having having to defend the stance which oh so that let's just establish this is your position great okay well <laughs> yeah, you're racist here's why it's a disgusting position yeah. to have. yeah yeah you freak <laughs> um but no there is the potential that, that I, I, I think carrie mulligan's probably i think she's might have won more leading up to awards season but viola davis is still very much in contention um but yeah i mean that, that would be a cool like yeah thing but but then you know the, the people will say like oh yeah it's only because no films came out in 2020 <laughs> like oh i hope they don't though. yeah i wonder how much that's going to come up at the oscars like whatever words people are like yeah well nothing came out like yeah it's like no they, they, this is actually an incredible group of films you've got it is actually um, yeah 
And of course, Nomadland is the favourite to win Best Picture. But one one non-award, but we look at the, the the odds every year, is who will be the last person to appear in the in memoriam section. <laughs> oh, um, it's such a grim. Sorry, wait. Did we go through Best Director? Sorry, Best Director's closed. Yeah, easy. No, no oh, point. Okay. No point discussing it. Um, yeah. So um, obviously, Chadwick Boseman's the favourite. Um, this usually has quite higher odds, but he's at 1.75 odds, which is very low. Um, but close behind him, you've got Sean Connery, Christopher Plummer. Um, yeah, who do you guys think will be the last person to it's appear? It's got to be Chadwick Boseman, right? <sighs> was Heath Ledger the last um, in the year know, that he won? Um, yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting one. Um, oh no, oh, actually, because he would have been, because he died in like January, didn't he? Or February, like he he, he might have died before. You mean like he would have the made Oscars the in memoriam the year yeah. before? Um, huh? But he won the Oscar. Yeah, but like a year after he died. Let me have a look. Because oh. um, he he died in two thousand and eight, correct? Yes. yes. Actually, yes. I do remember him well, he, winning his Oscar uh, quite yeah, a while. January after. Yeah. 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 So so he he. He died 22nd of January 2008. I only remember it was in January because I remember I was at a screening of Cloverfield when he died and I remember that came out on 1.18.08 because that was the only information we had about the film for a long time. But anyway, that's more about my history with Cloverfield than anything else. Um, but, Thank you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, then he would have been awarded in the 2009 ceremony. Right. Um, so he was probably on the in memoriam in 2008 for films in 2007. Right. Um, but yeah... No, interesting. Um, I, I could see Christopher Plummer being last. You reckon because of years of service? Years of service, recent Oscar, or like, uh, yeah, re- recent nomination for All the Money in the World, um, recent-ish one for Beginners, I think it was 2010. Um, I don't know, though. I feel like, you know, if Chadwick Boseman wins Best Actor, which he probably will, hmm. it seems weird to not, like, he's hmm. going... This sounds really awful to say, but he's in some ways he's going out on top. Yeah. But so it would be weird for him not to be given the prestige place. Yeah, yeah. In the in memoriam, I could, I could also see them giving it to Sean Connery as well. Like, yeah, and they use the screenshot much- of that interview where he says it's okay to beat women. <laughs> like when they're really famous, they get a little clip as well, and it'll be like, "It's okay to hit a woman." <laughs> with an open fish it's such a horrible is that something he actually said yeah yeah Yeah, it's it's completely unambiguous it's like the the interviewer was like trying to catch him out like you said you're quoted as saying quite a few years ago that you think it's okay to hit a woman do you want to clarify that oh yes I think it's it's very very fine Um, not with a not with a closed fist with with an open he he goes he goes I don't think it's a good thing but it's more if it merits it Oh my god! <laughs> no. Yeah. And then and so we, we've we've shit on Sean Connery quite a bit on this podcast for being a shitty human being. Um, and there's a video we have on YouTube that's about Sean Connery being bad at Bond, and after he died, people are like this didn't age well. And it's like we didn't become a good actor by dying. Yeah. <laughs> he also didn't become yeah, a good sorry. person. I got- yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, now that he's dead, sorry. He didn't think it was okay to yeah, be a yeah. woman. What are you saying? How and in what universe are we the bad guys yeah. now? <laughs> oh, now that he's dead. Oh, okay, that makes the sexism all right. Yeah. Um, um, 
Yeah, uh, there's also uh, other kind of notable ones that could... you got Ennio Morricone, um, Jerry Stiller. That'd be a fun one to be last. End yeah. on a laugh. Oh, yeah. That is a tragedy. <laughs> I just yeah. burst into laughter. <laughs> <laughs> it's just oh, a scene nice. of him playing George's dad in Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the other ones that's also like really... Because um, most of these are like 50, 50 to 1 or 100 to 1 odds. But um, only 19 to 1 is um, Naya Rivera from Glee. Oh. It's an interesting one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, who knows? Um, yeah, so anyway, uh, yeah, I, w- I would probably still put my bunny on Chadwick Boseman, but I don't know. I might put some money on Sean Connery. <laughs> uh, as, and this is us honoring Sean Connery. Yeah, yeah, this is this is his final legacy. Is like, you, you've got a chance to do one good thing. <laughs> and Sean that's Connery, making the podcast money. Make me a little bit of cash. <laughs> um, he also, Man Who Would Be King is a very good movie, which also Christopher Plummer is in. Um, but anyway, that's the end of our Oscars cheat sheet. Feel free to parrot these thoughts as your own. Go watch Promising Young Woman, and then you can listen to the. How long was it? Did, like f- seven plus seven, five plus three, I 15 think. Minutes, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, wow. 15, the Talk 15 double as long. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the hidden 15 minutes of the podcast. Mm. Uh, a promising young 15 minutes mm. <laughs> all right everybody thank you very much for listening to this episode of the cold pop podcast i uh, would love to know your thoughts you can email us i'm going to start with that this week Ooh. you can email us at coldpopsionmedia@gmail.com. fuck it email us and tell us what you think's going to win or if you want a more expedient response you can join our discord which there is a link to in mm. the show notes and which just say we'll probably it have a live discussion thread for the oscars on the day as well yeah which will be fun. Yeah. But, um, um, and yeah. yeah, we're also on uh, Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. There are two YouTube channels. One is called Cold Popshire, where we share video essays, and one is called Cold Popshire Again, where we share this podcast, where you might be listening to it. And we also recently shared a little video that Richard edited for our uh, 50 to celebrate making it to 50 Patreon pat- patrons. Um, we made a little video of us playing Yu Gi Oh! or Jewel Monsters, sorry. Um, so check that out on Cold Popshire again. Uh, and if you want to join our Patreon, of course, there is also patreon.com slash Popshire. Throw us some, some dosh. Help us fund our lives. You Help know? us um, throw more money at Sean Connery. <laughs> Take a punt. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, other yeah. than that, uh, stay tuned for the post credit scene after this music stops. Mm-hmm. Aaron, was lovely to, to have you on the show. See you. I oh, know you'll be back in, on, on, yeah, on our so, post-mortem. So yeah, ne- next week we're going to be doing... What is it? Uh, MVP, the the franchise, um, which is which will come out the day of the Oscars, um, and then to a, celebrate a, a week <laughs> later. Yeah, the, 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 to to commemorate its snub from the two thousand one Oscars um, or two thousand <laughs> whenever it came out. Um, the 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 film that was MVP, a most valuable primate. Um, <laughs> um, it's it's about a um, an ice hockey playing. <laughs> we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Um, but anyway, yeah. So then a week later, we'll be with like a full Oscars debrief where we'll kind of talk about uh, a the because the ceremony will be interesting with social distancing. It's the ceremony is being produced by Steven Soderbergh, and he's making this whole point of like it's going to be cinematic. And they got into trouble for um, people saying no Zoom acceptance speeches. You have to come to LA. And everyone was like, "Get fucked." <laughs> um, and so they've they've kind of worked around that now, but we can discuss that more in two weeks' time. Um, but we get tell you what we thought of all the winners and the ceremony. Um, so 
yeah stick around for the post credit scene and we'll uh see you next time I guess yeah see you at the movies Hello and welcome to the post credit scene. This is a scene at the end of each episode where if you donate $5 or more over at patreon.com slash you get to give us something to talk about in this, the post credit scene. And uh, Aaron's still here, which has <laughs> never happened for a post credit scene before. Um, but hey, Aaron, uh, you feel, feel free to answer this question, uh, but we do not give you any of the Patreon. <laughs> so, oh, well, I'm definitely not answering this question. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I mean. You don't need to feel obligated um so richard uh i'm speaking to you now as you promised us uh, um at the end of the post credit scene last week this post credit scene is from jensen and he asks what moment in the podcast are you most proud of all right well there was a moment um oh, i can't remember how long ago it was now but um where i said something and aj attempted to correct me and then i was able to clarify what i had said what my intention was and and it all checked out and aj said to me fuck you narrowly miss being wrong and that <laughs> was my favorite it was actually the post credit scene from last week um <laughs> but um i loved that 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 was that was such a special moment for me. Um, well, I'm because glad I, I could give you that. It's kind of my thing that I like being right. <laughs> being right. Um, and so to to be told that I narrowly avoid being wrong was so funny to me. Um, because to 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 reiterate, it's not that. Um, the way you worded your original statement, which I don't remember what it was, <laughs> yeah. was ambiguous. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. So it's not like I misheard you. Your word choice made it possible to misinterpret what you were saying. Yeah. And I was not vindictively just correcting you. And you was like, you were like, no, I meant this. And you totally did mean that. I absolutely believe <laughs> you because of the way that you worded yeah. it. That's the important uh, distinction is that like, because you said... I, I, it always checks out. <laughs> yeah, it's it's never a case of you backtracking and being like, oh no, 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 I changed my mind. You you never change your mind. You just always are correct. You just maybe sometimes don't word things in the best ways. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I narrowly miss narrowly avoid being. Um, it's like recently, um, uh, Luke from, from uh, who's listening to this um, told Dan. Uh, who's also a fan of the podcast that he was bashfully incompetent and it's like and and he's trying to say like no no i don't think that you were being malicious um when you ignored me or something like that it was like no you're being bashfully incompetent um and that which is a very very cute thing to call yeah, this is your proudest moment of the podcast um, no i'm getting that but i'm just saying that like it's a similar kind of thing um right but uh, I, yeah, I, we've been asked this question before, and uh, or kind of on the on the self indulgent quiz, but quiz. But I said that my proudest moment of the podcast was the our MCU retrospective because it was twelve hours long. Um, mm. But now we've trumped and that, now. and it's now yeah. <laughs> it's now the Barbie podcast because it was eighteen <laughs> hours long. I mean, of course it's Barbie. I'm sure Jensen asked this before the Barbie episode came out. Yeah. It feels like oh, the answer is very obvious. Know. <laughs> I'm not um, proud but- of my work. <laughs> <laughs> If I were to say any other moments, um, I've always felt particularly proud of how we handled uh, discussing American Pie. I think that's quite a fun, and um, it's it's a conversation we have 
uh, the four-year-old conversation we have where it would be very easy to say the wrong thing. And I, mm. listening back to it, I feel we come out very classy um, in nice. it, which is very cool. Speaking um, of American Pie, interviewing Chris Whites. Absolutely. Director. Interviewing Chris Whites was awesome. Um, what else is there from, from the podcast? Aaron, what's your proudest moment from the podcast? Uh, that I was personally involved in or that you guys were involved in? Either, uh, either or. or. <laughs> uh... Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I really liked the Bewitched essay on... Um, oh, thanks, man. <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day. I was going to message you on the group chat when we were chatting the other day about how much I enjoyed the Bewitched. <laughs> um, yeah, probably, I mean, just from the outside looking in, having heard that the Barbie podcast is 18 hours, <laughs> I was like, it's got to be the proudest moment. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the proudest you've been of your boys. <laughs> yeah, I was like, man, they really watched all those movies and then sat down for 18 hours to talk about yeah. it. There's My- actually a 38th one that should be out now and we need to uh, watch No, it. it comes out in like a couple of weeks. It's out at the end of the month. Um, oh, okay. I checked yesterday. Um, I was at a play and I was like, oh my God, did it come out? And I like <laughs> sneakily took out my phone. You were um, at a play? Yeah. Um, anyway, um, that's beside the point. First one other thing it. that's actually like the the Aaron was here for, that's another one of my favorite, um, my proudest moments on the podcast, is AJ, when you said that you had the iconic shot from um, Blade Runner 2049 with Joy looking down at Ryan Gosling tattooed on your testicles for some reason. <laughs> and I said, yeah, on your fucking penny farthing nuts. <laughs> um, that was... That was I, I think about that sometimes and be like, I don't know if I could come up with that now. Do you um, know, I was thinking about penny farthing nuts the other day. As sort yeah, of I think like, you messaged that, me. <laughs> that, that's one of the things where it's like, if our podcast was a little bit more famous, you could buy merch with penny farthing nuts. <laughs> um, and I was like, it's a shame none of us will remember what episode that's for. But I guess you do. So cool. Yeah, it was, it was talking about, I think it was just, it was an Oscar. I remember Aaron being there. Um, oh, I was just like, looked at Aaron because I was like, oh, I just had a phone drop, Aaron. It was mine. Um, <laughs> oh, is that what you're looking at me? I, I was like, geez, man, pick up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were looking at me as, to, as if to confirm that, yes, it was my phone that I had a wearer dropped. <laughs> 